Imagine yourself working from a place of flow and ease. Wouldn't that be amazing? Instead of trying so hard, hustling for opportunities and turning yourself inside out just to please others, what if you could attract amazing people and opportunities directly to you? Well, that's going to take a shift in perspective. But don't worry, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about doing today. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week, we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hello, my friends. Yay, I'm so glad that you're here. I appreciate you listening to The Courage Cast, whether it is your very first time tuning in or you have been with me for the past 98 episodes. Can you believe that today, this episode right now is the 99th episode? Oh my gosh. It kind of feels a bit surreal to me, if I'm honest with you. And I tend to be one of those really like sentimental people. I love looking back and reminiscing on what's happened, but don't worry, I'm not doing that today. And my heart really does genuinely feel grateful for all of the support along the way. The guests that I've had up until this point just makes me feel just really excited. But next week, next week is our 100th episode and we are going to celebrate. Today, I have my dear friend, Brooke Paulson, on the show. Brooke is a multidisciplinary artist who has been working ever since she was five years old, which seems like so crazy. When I was five, the only thing I was doing was bossing my little brother around. So in this conversation, you're going to hear from Brooke just how she's navigated going in and out of the entertainment industry and just how she's rekindled her love for her craft and her artistry, just what it takes to stay in the game as long as she has been. And during the second part of our conversation, I am actually going to be coaching Brooke on how to find that flow and ease in her work. She has quite the epiphany during this part of the conversation, and I think it's something that we can all learn from and implement in our lives. So here's my conversation with Brooke Paulson. I tried to curl the ties, left it to either Brooke, my friend, I am so, so excited to have you on the Courage yeah. Cast. Um, <laughs> I love that we can chat and just hang out with one another. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be talking to the listeners about where you are right now. But I, we're currently, you're in Vancouver. Yes. And I'm in Ontario. Hi. And, <laughs> and I'm so excited to hear kind of what's going on. But before we get into it, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what you're passionate about? Cool. Um, so I'm Brooke Paulson. I am a singer-songwriter, an actor, screenwriter. Basically, I just refer to myself as a multidisciplinary artist or multi-hyphenated artist. And um, I'd say for me, I'm super passionate about um, self-reflection and I would say healing, uh, through artistic outlets. Amazing. Yeah. And probably we should also mention you're a four on the Enneagram. Yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Much to my dismay, of course. <laughs> I'm not sure if we had the conversation, but it's like almost every time I have a conversation with someone who finds out they're a four, yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, like, what? <laughs> This can't be. I honestly, I, I got the results. 
Um, and what had happened is like, I took the test a couple of years ago and I placed as a two. Um, but then some life stuff happened and I was curious. I was like, I don't know if this would change on me, but I came back as a four and reading the kind of diagnostic that the, um, ready Institute gives. Yeah. I was shocked and like for a week, just licking my wounds, just like, this is the worst number to be. I was horrified. (laughs) And yet Mm -hmm. makes so much, so much sense. Oh yeah. You know, and, and you say that because I, I feel the same Okay. because when I read the one, the definition of the one, I was like, no, this can't be. Yeah. Um, because it was like all of my worst fears, totally. like on Brought paper to light. in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like this. And, and the, I think the cool thing about it was that I realized is like, there's the unhealthy version and the healthy version. Yeah, definitely. And so it's like, okay, if I can get myself from here to there, mm-hmm. it's, it's totally, uh, a different, a different, you know, way of looking at the world. Oh yeah. But they really, they really don't shy away from how dark it can get on the unhealthy you know, self. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Mine, my number can be so judgmental. Okay. And, uh, and so I get it. So sometimes I think to myself, it's like, if I get bossy, which I can come across as bossy yeah, oftentimes, yeah. um, I'm thinking of people are thinking I'm judging them. Oh, and I'm, okay. sometimes I have been known to judge people. Well, of course. We all make past judgment. Yeah. But uh, I'm working on that. But I, I bring up the Enneagram for a reason because I want to talk a little bit about like you being an artist, you know, multidisciplinary. Um, you're so fabulous at what you do. Oh, that's like nice. so fabulous. <laughs> and I'm excited to talk to you about um, kind of, you know, like having these passions like mm-hmm. you. It's so funny. I, I met you um, at church and I knew you more so as like, um, an actor. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we can get into the history of that in a second, but, sure. but then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like I'm a singer. And I was like, and so like my first thought, cause I am a singer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have an education background, music education. I'm a vocal coach. Yeah. All those things. And I'm thinking, Oh, sure. Doesn't everyone say that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard you. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, she ain't no joke. I was uh, like, this girl can sing. And not only can you sing, but you can play instruments and you write brilliantly. Thanks, and it's almost like I see like these paths that you've been on and the level of talent and ability that you possess is just so incredible, mm-hmm. which is why I was really excited to have you on because I thought, you know, to to show people what it's like to kind of like straddle these really precarious Mm. um, places of being an artist. Yeah. What does that look like? What does that feel like? How do you navigate it? All those things. So we're going to get into some of that, but can we just start off first? Just tell us a little bit about like, what, what did you, what did you start with in the industry? Just back us up a bit. Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of wild, but, um, I started, you know, I was always a pretty, uh, a lot of my teachers wrote on my report cards that I was spirited, very spirited. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of their way of saying no, like, oh, I was kicked out into the hallways constantly. Just like, yeah, I was bouncing off the walls. But um, yeah, I would have started in film. Um, my sister and I danced at the same dance school growing up. And um, 
this was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and there were some posters around about a dance movie that was being filmed in the city with Patrick Swayze as the lead. No way. Yeah, yeah. You didn't know this? Okay. No. Okay, this is all new to me. Yeah. Um, so I keep talking because, like, you are now have got my attention. <laughs> um, my sister, it, it was the casting call basically for extras or uh, background actors in the movie. And um, my sister Taylor really wanted to go. My parents couldn't find a sitter for me. My other sister wasn't available to take care of me. And so I tagged along and uh, we got the phone call that I had been cast as one of the dancers. Amazing. Yeah. So that started at five. <laughs> it's just, wow. Yeah. Winnipeg is um, actually quite the hub for uh, filming and basically after that things just kind of I got on a list and my second project I had some dialogue in and so at that point they unionize you because kids need to be in unions and uh as early as you can get them in and so yeah the second project was Dean Kane, then it was James Vanderbeek and it was like all these guys coming to film these movies in Winnipeg and they're about like giant squids and like rabid tigers and it was a lot of fun and so you were acting mm-hmm. like literally before you're 10. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. What was that like? I thought it was great. Like, um, I never thought much of it. It felt like a, it felt like going to dance class or going to, um, like piano lessons or something. It just felt like another hobby I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put too much pressure on it. Uh, There was um, a project rolling through when I was about 13 for this um, really dry comedy, kind of in the vein of um, Arrested Development or Weeds. And uh, that was the first project where I like, you know, really wanted to kind of do a good job. I was reading for this role of um, a girl that had a speech impediment that was so thick you couldn't understand what she was saying. And uh, that's, I guess, kind of the thing that launched a career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was when I, I think I landed it. It would have been, it would have been 13 or 14. Wow. So yeah. here you are, 13 year old mm-hmm. living in Winnipeg and you have a career as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So kind of bring us a little bit forward. So eventually you did move. Yeah. I, um, I moved in between our last two seasons um, so I had my high school convocation and I uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do quite at that point. Um, I, my parents had always kind of talked to me about the acting thing as like a, oh, it's like this really cool thing you get to do for a couple years and then you'll figure out, you know, everything after. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, immediately the day after my high school convocation, I left for Maui, Hawaii, and I took a theology course out there just out of interest and Mm -hmm. then uh, came back shot a film and then decided to up and move to Toronto within a matter of probably like two weeks Um, and I didn't know anyone in the city aside from the two creators of that series I worked on and they were both in their 50s so I was like you know hanging out with them but also needed to meet some people my own age but I was 18 and it was a tricky thing to build community in a place I'd never really been to (laughs) yeah Mm-hmm. Especially if you had been, you'd grown up in kind of uh, your own version of that. Totally. Yeah. But surrounded by the safety of, you know, like your family and friends and yeah, yeah, your life. Yeah. Yeah. When did you know that kind of music was also part and parcel of 
who you were and this all is that. a funny question because someone else asked me this last week. And um, I, I never really, it's never felt like an option or a choice to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I know. Like it's, it's just um, felt like this thing I always had to kind of create. Both my sisters were very naturally gifted in music. I was not. <laughs> I had really? to, yeah, but I just loved it. I just needed to be like, I just needed to work at it. Um, I played piano growing up and I was fine. I could never really read music that well, though. I would just play a lot by ear. So I just copy whatever my teacher was playing. And then um, I really wanted to learn guitar, but I hadn't strummed anything. So I picked up a ukulele and I ended up when I was applying for a grant for my first EP, they asked us to like log the hours that we were practicing every month. And I think I'd practice like 90 hours of ukulele in a month. Um, yeah, I was really like, you know, I was come home from school and practice singing for like, my teacher asked me to do 20 minutes every day and I was doing about like eight hours every day and I just totally got lost in it. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. Yeah. I mean, damn, if I could be doing that forever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, whatever you can kind of lose your time in, I think is usually a pretty good indicator that you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. So you, you started to do music and you were acting as well. Yeah. And, you know, over the past few years, as kind of I've gotten to know you, you've kind of switched gears a bit here, here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we say? <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you kind of went, you know, I, I think I met you in a period of time where you were needing a bit of a break from definitely acting. Yeah. Uh, you went into some corporate stuff. I did. <laughs> yeah. How was that for you? Oh my gosh, Andrea. I think about that conversation right before I got into it all the time. <laughs> Cause I just remember this kind of look on your face when I was telling you I was taking a job doing like admin work. And I just, I have to laugh at myself. Um, yeah, I've pulled some interesting moves over the years. It's always like, I I honestly have no regrets about taking that role. I think it was really important for me to kind of get a bit of perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. A big struggle of mine these last couple of years, I think, um, you know, how do I say this? Because I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Like, you know, I'd worked at the career for about 16 years at that point um, and had like acquired accolades and a bit of notoriety in the in the Canadian industry and it still didn't amount to really securing a spot for me mm-hmm. and um I think I just felt a bit of um a bitterness kind of start to take root and I think I really needed to do something like a corporate job and to understand like what it really authentically means to be an artist and mm, that sounds maybe a little hippie, but, um, nope. I just had to kind of, uh, break down and, and redefine what sec- like success in the industry meant to me and what that would look like. And it's so vastly different than what I had perceived before I took that job mm-hmm. and, um, a lot less pressure, mm-hmm. a lot less pressure. It almost like, you know, as you're saying that I can, I can see how we get this vision mm-hmm. of like what we think it's going to be or should be. Yeah. And, and especially when we've worked so hard for it mm-hmm. 
And then all of a sudden kind of we lose sight of the why. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and it's like, no matter what you could be doing, that's right. It's like, never feels like enough. Totally. Yeah. And so it's almost like you, you, you've come back full circle to be like, okay, now I see it for the, like what I get to give. Yeah. A hundred percent. Versus what it's giving to me. It's still, and maybe this is a bit wrong on my part, but it still does feel a bit more, um, it's kind of like my therapy, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. um, so maybe I still am getting a bit too much, like, uh, maybe I'm still a bit too much self-indulgent in it, but, um, you know, it, it's an interesting thing, like over the last couple of years, like the last project I really worked on was four years ago, which is kind of wild. And um, it was a, an interesting set with a lot of interesting people. And mm-hmm. it just felt like this kind of dark heaviness. And I've often looked at that time and kind of wondered why it happened. Cause I'm a four. Yeah. <laughs> Everything <laughs> has to happen for a reason. Yeah. Um, but there's been some really wonderful, um, it, it's an interesting thing. What the, the entertainment industry I think is so much about what you're getting from it mm-hmm. as the artist. So it's a hard thing to like sometimes separate the work and know that you're also doing it for other people. But I got this really brilliant message from um, a person that was kind of being persecuted in their area of the world for um, their identity and how the show was kind of their escape in that. So this Mm. thing that I kind of looked at as a, why did that show happen? It led to such like heartbreak in my life. Um, actually ended up, you know, this person ended up fleeing this area they were in and finding kind of restoration in another country, another part of the world. And, um, and it's so sorry, this maybe sounds a bit, um, gosh, it really sounds self-indulgent, but it's like the fact that they wrote that that show had like kind of push them to get out of their head a bit to like make some, uh, I guess, larger than life decisions was, I was like, I played such a small, small role in this thing that they watched that ultimately, like, I don't know, was their, their kind of their happy escape during that time. Yeah. You should edit all that out. <laughs> no. You know what? And I'm thinking, you know, as you're saying that you, it's, it's interesting because there's another person who I've talked to, who, another actor mm-hmm. who, who's talked about, you know, it, the feeling of like almost a similar way, just put it different, but like this self-indulgence, yeah. feeling of self-indulgence. And the way I see it is almost like, no, that's meaning. Okay. That actually derives meaning. So because for you, it's such fueling energy, yeah. like the yeah. energy from which you derive yeah. that that craft, that artistry, what's happening there, it fuels you and energizes you so much yeah. that it feels self-indulgent. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it, that doesn't mean that it is. Interesting. It, it just means that you are feeding off uh, a higher vibration of energy that most people don't get to experience. Thank you for that. <laughs> Because when you really think about people who are doing things like in their lives, they might be doing jobs like you probably have things in your own life that you like the vibration, energy vibration here, Mm -hmm. not so high. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, 
or it doesn't resonate with you, right? So yeah. it's like, it feels like you're like constantly, like this this tension push pull of like, maybe this should be good for me, but doesn't feel good for me because I'm just not operating in this energy space. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you are operating in that energy space, when you're operating in that that like sweet spot, I guess is really what, what it is, mm -hmm. it feels like, oh my gosh, like this is so amazing which would come across or appear as self-indulgent yes but the reality is it's like no i've actually hit the sweet spot and when i hit a sweet spot it ricochets and people get the effects of that okay thank you and that's what, <laughs> that's what shifts and change changes things for other people yeah because it is so powerful for you mm -hmm. that it has no other alternative to actually make meaning for everybody else thanks for that andrea so that's beautiful <laughs> So you were doing that, you you were in your job, you were in this admin role. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> um and and you you transitioned out. Mm. And then you were now going to be making music. Yeah. <laughs> I remember having a conversation with you about you know, I'm going to start doing music and I'm really going to start focusing on music mm. versus just on acting. Now you are kind of transitioning back into both lanes again. Yeah. So tell me, like, how did all that work? What, what was going on there for you? Totally. Um, well, a couple of years ago, I had been doing backing vocals for this pop artist that um, was really great. He's um, done super well, but uh, they didn't keep the backing vocalists on, which is fine. It was probably a good, a good move. <laughs> um and after that, and after that one kind of darker series that I'd worked on, I was really ready to throw in the towel. And then um, there was this uh, pretty popular like R&B soul vocalist in the early 2000s that reached out and asked if I'd be on his writing team. So it was just this kind of like, at that point I was gonna move back to Winnipeg. And then I was like, oh, you know what? This is a pretty cool opportunity. And that's how I ended up joining forces with this guitarist that I started writing with, mm -hmm. which led to us playing a one-off show that this producer just happened to be sitting in on. And at that point, my producer, Thomas Mackay, approached us. I didn't know who he was. He asked if we could do an album together. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, <laughs> didn't take it too seriously. And um, we actually ended up working together for about three years. So while I was probably talking to you about pressing into music, I was recording and, and doing these songs. It's just um, the grant system in Canada is so great, but it does take time um, that it's just a longer process. So I was in the midst of working on an album. I just was starting to hit a bit of a, uh, a rut, a total rut in like, who am I to put out this music? Who am I to do this project? let me just take this corporate job. And then I was doing a self tape last November and I kind of looked at my partner that day and I said, I think I'm really ready to be an artist again. I don't know if I can go back to the office tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, for a couple months, I was really, really like depressed. And, uh, in April of last year, I was laid off. And I just felt such relief. <laughs> yeah. I walked home and I put on my bathrobe and had a nap. And I woke up just beaming. 
And at that point I was like, okay, all this stuff I had in the chamber, I can finally, now is the time to just do it all. So I left six days later for a friend's wedding in Italy, got back and in two weeks planned a album launch and have just kind of been pushing that ever since. And it's like, I had all this stuff kind of in the chamber. I was just getting really caught up in, um, you know, a lot of, I think, just pause of that. I think every artist goes through of like, is this going to be good enough? Is it 100% as good as it can be? But I've, you know, been frustrated by friends in the past who never release their projects because they become too precious with it. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just like, well, this is going to create some sort of ripple effect. And I don't necessarily know what that looks like or is, but I know that I need to release this in order to make room for something new. So mm-hmm. um, it just kind of became this thing where I was like, I've got to get this out. And because the album was about a series of events that had happened in my early 20s that I was still needing to write about in order to feel fully recovered from them. Mm-hmm. Um the, it was actually pretty wild. The day of the release, I felt it all just totally dissipate. And it was really um, great. very healing yeah yeah definitely and and you you say like it kind of when it it pushed out into the world Mm -hmm. it's kind of when you felt the release of it a hundred percent what was that like for you when you were kind of in the writing stages and the recording like even like for the emotional Mm -hmm. component of it because of course you do feel a lot yeah especially being a four um how, how did you process that and do that I was working with a, my producer was someone who really creates a beautiful space for artists and a really forgiving space for female artists. Um, so I think it was in my selection of team that um, made the process probably easier than it would have been with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course, um, a lot of my writing comes from my own life experience. I really have a hard time uh, writing from third person, writing about another person's journey. And so for me, it's only going to feel authentic if if it's coming from myself. Um, And so it was tricky. I mean, there was one song because we recorded most of the album live in studio um, with the band. And then I, had to do this one song on a different day just because it was the content was just a bit too hard for me to pull through um to get a proper vocal performance I I was able to pull it off it's not like I started crying halfway through it's just um you could tell there was a kind of gap between I guess what I'd prepared and like the stream of it going out Mm -hmm. um and my producer was the one that like because we've been working together for so long he was fairly intuitive to that and just said I think we gotta you know maybe try these vocals again on another day and he said it to me after the fact he was super gentle about it 
Um, but there was just so much anguish in that one particular song. It's actually the uh, title track, Midnight. And um, so that one we ended up recording at his home studio. Um, but yeah, the process was really um, great. I think for me, songwriting has always been kind of a, I don't set out with a particular goal in mind in terms of lyricism. Um, I always just kind of start humming out a melody and then like a couple words will just kind of come out organically and I'll, you know, click on my voice memo and kind of, you know, roughly sing a couple things. And then there's usually this stream of consciousness that can kind of follow and I build the song around that. And it always ends up being the thing that I've like tucked away, like into like the deepest part of me that I clearly need to extract. So it's um it's a process for sure (laughs) yeah oh yeah but it's um it's really nice to I I don't think I write the most accessible music um but that's okay to me because it's it's the stuff that's healing me for sure and you know if you can't always afford therapy every week (laughs) it's a a nice way of kind of bringing some stuff to surface that I need to address so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and probably helps other people too listening Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten some really great feedback and, uh, I never anticipated that. Like when I put this stuff out, I'm never hoping for much of anything, which doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic. It's just, um, I think in order for like self-preservation, I can't put any expectation on it. And I just have to kind of say, no, this, this was for me and that's okay. And if someone else, um, you know, interacts with it in kind of a emotional way, then that's great. That's, I've hit the jackpot with that. If someone else can kind of um, hone hone in on those lyrics and the feeling of the song and make it for themselves, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you're in Vancouver, you're Mm -hmm. there for a month and we were just chatting before we start recording (laughs) about you being there and like, what do you do? I like, what's, what's on the horizon for, for Brooke? <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you some grand thing. I'm legitimately just here to hang out. Um, I really missed traveling solo and mm-hmm. I'd been around BC as a kid with my family, but I'd never been to Vancouver and I just needed some green space. Toronto's kicked the daylights out of me and I needed to just kind of go for hikes and walk for a couple hours every day and see some green space. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of here to, you know, I've got my, um, my agency for acting. They've got offices out here. So I'm meeting with some of their team and doing some auditions. I'm kind of slowly getting back into that world and my agent, bless her, uh, has been super patient when I told her I needed to go and do some corporate stuff for a while. She was like, I told her, I was like, I've got a feeling I'm not going to book till I'm in my late twenties, early thirties again. And she's like, that's great. We're in it. We're in it with you for the long haul. And, um, honestly, thank God for like the talent roster that she has. Cause they're booking enough that it's okay that I'm doing things like this right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of here to get back to, I think the roots of being an artist and playing a few shows while I'm out here. Um, I'm in such a kind of daydreamy headspace right now that I can't even tell you where the first one is. I think it's February 12th, <laughs> uh, a friend's house concert, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I guess getting back to, like you said, getting back to the why that's kind of why I'm out here. 
Mm-hmm. And it sounds beautiful. Like it sounds yeah. like you're having kind of a resurgence of, you know, yourself. Totally. I mean, it's, you know, the weather's a bit tricky with, um, I get seasonal depression pretty bad, but, uh, finding kind of ways to conquer that. Um, and I think just, yeah, honestly, green space for me is like, that's a huge thing. And, uh, living in the downtown core of Toronto has been a bit tricky for me. So being out here, breathing in like ocean air, are you kidding me? It's, it's really great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Vancouver is a beautiful spot. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely breathtaking. When you think about your, yourself kind of like, you know, moving forward and what are your kind of your hopes for what's possible for yourself? Mm. I think because I've, I've had to re redefine success for myself big time as mm-hmm. I said earlier. And, and I think for me, it's just a matter of um, as stable a career as I can carve out in the entertainment industry is the one I'm after. So for me, that is, you know, I feel most satisfied when I'm juggling many projects, wearing many hats. Um, I have a friend right now that's mentoring me a bit in screenwriting and that's been really great. I sold a couple scripts, which was awesome. And now she's, yeah, now she's saying she's like trying to push me to other roles, which is great, like producing and, and directing. And, you know, I'm just kind of putting those words out now, hoping that by law of attraction, (laughs) (laughs) little things, little, um, signs will kind of start appearing, but yeah, I think just kind of, uh, yeah. Redefining success for myself is a big thing right now. And, uh, for me, that just looks like doing whatever I can to stay an artist. And, um, uh, it's funny cause my partner had a similar thing where he was working corporate, had a layoff and then yeah, got into the arts and that's how we ended up meeting. And really? Yeah, yeah. He used to, um, he actually had the same job as my dad. He sold pharmaceutical equipment. Interesting. Yeah. And then uh, had like a really bad car accident and became very like, what am I doing with my life? The next day he was laid off and he's like, well, that's it. I'm an actor now. <laughs> so, <laughs> we both had these kind of um, interesting moments, but I'm glad that I've lived both sides of the gun because I don't think I'd have the appreciation for this lifestyle I'm living had I not had that because I started at age five. Like when it's so built into your system, and I think you and I talked a little bit about um, the David complex once when you were coaching me and how some of those early successes in childhood can kind of, you know, you'll hit your peak and then it's about trying to get to that peak again. But I think for me, it's now becoming about the journey in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just re, uh, wh- whoever was listening to your podcast, I can't remember her name um, in a recent episode, but she was talking about how the work is the work that's in between. And it's something that I was mm-hmm. actually journaling about last week was just yeah. that the gigs are wonderful and awesome, but it's about the life that you kind of le- live in between those that are really going to fuel them and give them, um, gravity. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. just becoming comfortable knowing that success is just going to look a little different for me. 
Mm-hmm. And that was Kathy mm-hmm. um, who was who saying that. And I think that's so, it's such a, a beautiful space because I think so often we're looking for like the next high thing, yeah, the next like mountaintop experience. And when you really start to realize the only way to, to get to the mountain mm-hmm. is pulling up it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, and experiencing the in-between moments. Yeah. And that is actually the place that we spend most of the time. Yeah. And in between. Yeah. And it's a, it's a unique, uh, industry in that if it was easy, I think everyone would be doing it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say like to someone who is thinking about, you know, following their passion, whatever that is, like for you, like, obviously, you know, you've talked about screenwriting, you've talked about acting, you've talked about being a singer songwriter and all of those things, like, you know, like the levels of your talent are just so extraordinary, but I'm sure with that does come, you know, your, uh, your own set of things that Mm -hmm. you've got to get through. Mm -hmm. What do you say to someone who's, you know, kind of feeling like, I just don't know if I can do this or should I do this or what would you say to them? I think the best thing is to just keep your head down and do the work. Um, Mm. I can't remember what the saying is about preparation plus opportunity, like something about that, you know, and I think it is all about the preparation, about the work that you put into it. And then when the opportunity comes, you've put in that Right. And so it's, that's when things take off. I've had friends of mine surpass in leaps and bounds. My friend was on Jimmy Fallon last week singing. My other friends will lead on Grey's Anatomy. Like you see these people accomplish these incredible things, but you can't draw comparisons because it will kill you. You know, your journey is your own and it's special for a reason. Of course, I have to say it's special because I'm a four, but, um, (laughs) but it genuinely is. And you don't know who's, um, whose life you're touching by living out your legacy. Right. And just because it might be unmarked by, um, things to that, uh, what, what word am I looking for here? Just because it hasn't amounted to like those successes that my friends have doesn't mean it's not important. Right. And I think, um, yeah, just keeping your head down, doing the work, asking why you're doing it, um, how it's helping you. If it's, if it's feeding your ego, take pause for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, yeah, just drown out the noise as much as you can. I think, um, there has been a switch lately on social media, um, with people wanting to get back more into leading their authentic lives. And, um, I think it's great. And I think, um, that's really the only currency we have in this world is to just be ourselves. Like, there's so many people on this planet, your version of life that you're living out is the one that ultimately matters, you know, like it's, again, I sound a little hippie, a little woo woo, but it's just been something I've really been thinking about lately is just that. Yeah. Just being prepared, putting in the work. I think those are the two big key things. I think those are amazing 
And, and I loved, I love to see that you are doing that. Like it's inspiring to me. Thanks, Andrea. There, there are moments <laughs> where I like, no, I, I really, I, I say that like in all honesty, because there are times where I look and I go, gosh, that girl is doing a lot of stuff. Like, like and, and it inspires me because I think to myself, you know, like, wow, like, you know, I can do that too. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. And, um, I know you're driven to be, to do all those things. And, you know, I'm not as much driven to do as many things. And that's good. <laughs> you, should, <laughs> you should be happy. <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny because there's, there's been a resurgence of, you know, even some things in my own life that I thought were like totally put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was okay with. Yeah. And all of a sudden now it's like, I have this like desire to do them again. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Where did that come from? You know, but as you said earlier, it's like the space between it's like something in the space between healed something. Yeah. And now my desire has come back into effect. Like it's, you know, and, and it, it feels like it's for me. Yeah. Not for something else or someone else. Totally. And, and so I totally resonate with what you're saying. I think it's beautiful. Um, I'm excited that we're going to do a little bit of a coaching conversation here in a few minutes, Mm -hmm. but I, hopefully if you're okay with this, we'll, we'll put a snippet of your, one of your tunes episode. So you guys will be listening to one of Brooke's songs, um, here. And then, um, Brooke, you can tell us where can we find you to hear more? (laughs) She's all over social media. Um, Just my first name and last name on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Brooke Paulson Music. Um, Twitter is one of those things I still haven't really figured out. (laughs) And it's the only (laughs) platform I'm verified on, but somehow I'm like, I just have no idea how to use this thing. So I'm sorry I'm quiet on there. My stuff's also on YouTube and on my website. And we will link to all of that mm-hmm. so that everybody can have access oh, to Oh, and a bunch of my music's on Kim's Convenience this season. Oh, really? Yeah. Have fun. How fun. <laughs> How good is that? that? You're, like, you're like, I just threw that in, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, Willy nilly. Yeah. As, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> no okay so i thank you so much oh, for, for like just me. sharing your journey and guys stay tuned because we're going to come back with a little bit of a coaching conversation awesome and i will end it in tears <laughs> <laughs> You're hilarious. hi beautiful here's your daily reminder that you're loved you're important and you're perfect just the way you are the way those words just made you feel, that's what it feels like to slip into an Honor Brooks robe. Honor Brooks is a female-founded luxury robe and loungewear brand. Every unique, high-quality Canadian-made piece is designed to be a reminder that we are all made up of beautiful, unique details. For 15% off your very own Honor Brooks piece, head to honorbrooks.ca and enter promo code COURAGECAST at checkout. That's O-N-D-E-R-B-R-O-E-K-S dot C-A. Promo code COURAGECAST. Okay, Brooke, so I'm interested to kind of hear a little bit of what's going on with you and kind of what maybe you're thinking about these days Mm -hmm. and kind of what's on your heart. So just share a little bit about like, what is it that you kind of are wanting to explore today? 
Yeah, I think for me, um, something I would like to explore is just kind of getting back into a, oh gosh, again, sounds so heavy, but like a flow. <laughs> I used to be in one, like I could acutely feel it before when I was younger. And I know I can't, like growth happens for a reason, things happen for a reason, but um, just to kind of um, recognize and, and to, to be just a bit more in tune with the people in the past that are being highlighted right now. Um, mm-hmm. I feel a bit, uh, isolated in my creativity right now, which is, is fine. Um, I just want to be able to get to a place again where I can reach out for help and like feel confident in that when I need it again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think just being kind of tapped into, um, some sort of thing that, lets those people float in and out of my life a bit more easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you think is maybe stopping the flow now? Mm, I think it's probably a self-preservation thing. I've been scorned a lot by artistic partners in the past. So I think I'm a little apprehensive to get in the trenches with them again. Mm. Yeah. What do you think would be different Mm -hmm. now after healing um, that you could do differently or put out differently? Hmm. I always felt like I had good intentions with that stuff. So I know I was in the right place there, but maybe understanding my limitations a bit more, maybe not offering up so much of myself. Like, does that sound like I'm being too constrictive of? No, no. Okay. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I was asked to do something recently and I said, I could do that or I could do this other thing that I'm no, I'm a bit more capable of fulfilling. I think it, I think it is a matter of just wearing hats that I know I can wear the heck out of Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of like taking on a bunch and hoping that one sticks. So it's being more selective. Yeah, I think so. How do you think that looks for you when you think about being selective, when you, you know, how do you determine that for yourself? Well, I get a little worried sometimes because like I remember hearing this great quote from a musician saying they took every opportunity that was thrown their way, like any gig ever paid, unpaid, like take it, do it, you'll learn something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm starting to see how tiring that can get. (laughs) Um, What was the question again? (laughs) How can you be more selective? Like, what does that look like for you? I think valuing my time more. Okay. What, what other value can you place other than even just time? Uh, probably financially. Yeah. I've done a lot of free shows and I think I need to stop doing that. Okay. Because it's my work. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that comes from? What place does that come from where you have been allowing that in this season? Uh, I think wanting to be easy for people to work with. I don't want to come across as um, non-collaborative. Okay. Someone that wouldn't. Like, I, I want to have people want to work with me, so I think I just try to make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. But um, I suffer for that sometimes just because, like, I still, of course, pay my musicians that I play with, but I'm not always getting paid. So it's like, yeah, I think, I think I need to set some restrictions for sure. Mm-hmm. So you are placing value mm-hmm. 
on others. Yeah. But you're not placing value on you. Yeah. What would that look like to, even internally, mm-hmm. to shift that, to start placing value not solely on other people? I think I have this idea in my head that it's going to mean less work for me, but I think it actually might lead to more. <laughs> I got a little a little hunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know your worth type thing and all that. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting you say know your worth type thing. So where's <laughs> the disconnect? Um, you know what? It's funny. I think sometimes because I don't have like um, a massive education in the fields that I'm in. I feel um, a little bit like, who am I to say I'm of value in this field? Oh God, this is all so sad, (laughs) but it's true. It's like, because, you know, I did like a six month intensive in acting um, and I didn't, I did the Royal Conservatory for piano and singing, but like I didn't do post-secondary. I sometimes think that I'm maybe um, because of my lack of education that I'm not as readily like equipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel stifled a bit by my lack of um, vocabulary in the music world. Um, and so that means that I can't lead it. I can't, um, you know, I'm, I'm of service to the people that I'm hiring. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I never really said all that. Yeah. How does it feel to hear yourself say that? Hilarious, because if someone else was telling me that, I would have such a different response that I'm having for myself. Mm-hmm. And what is the response you're having? Uh, education's a great thing, but it doesn't. I, I don't. I think some of like the greatest contributors to our society didn't necessarily go to school for the thing that they're contributing, right? So. Yeah, I think I just need to be a bit more loving to myself. Mm-hmm. What is like something that you could do, like an actual practical thing? Yeah, that would that would give you space or create space for yourself to to value um, yourself in these situations. One thing I was kind of thinking about recently is because I do not feel comfortable um, being like the music director as well as the songwriter Mm -hmm. for my band. Um, I think giving that title to someone else um, would help actually, and and not in a way that um, it doesn't feel like a submissive thing. It just feels like an appropriate thing. because I don't feel it's, it's not a lack of confidence in my abilities. It's just like, I shouldn't be wearing a title. I, I know that someone else could be rocking better for sure. And it's going to lead to a better result if I'm kind of, um, giving some responsibility to someone else asking for help. Hmm. I have a really hard time asking for help. So valuing yourself looks like asking people for help. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that it will do for you when you do? I 
find anyone that's in kind of, because regardless of who's doing the directing, I'm still in a leadership position because it is this thing I've brought together. Um, I think it would help to create maybe a more unified dynamic, actually. I think good leadership is like admitting where your shortcomings could be, mm-hmm. having that um, vision and that that uh, objectivity. So, yeah, it's not such a bad thing. I thought it was giving away power, but ultimately it's distributing it. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's allowing there to be um, an exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So what would that look like? So if, if you gave an exchange of power and you, you said, okay, I want someone else to be able to have that in that exchange, what does that look like in a healthy dynamic? I think it would free up a part of myself I'm reserving, like, it's like, (laughs) you know, when Elon Musk was kind of going off the deep end, (laughs) people started saying you can't be like the, the face of the company and the CEO really always. Right. Yeah. Some people can juggle both, but I think I just have to be, I think I have to be the furnace of the thing. I don't also have to be like driving it. Hmm. Ooh, <laughs> this is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Do you have that trust in yourself to let that go? Uh, I think I'm getting there. I think I'm really getting there because I'm, I'm getting tired. I'm getting really tired. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. I had um, a friend, well, an acquaintance more like actually reach out recently. And he's trying to connect me with people and I was wondering what the ulterior motive was because I've been scorned a couple times in the industry and so yeah I think um yeah hopefully a switch in this will it's it's tricky though when you've been burnt a couple times I I have a hard time giving over anything to anyone now mm-hmm. not not because um I think I know best or anything like that I'm just terrified they're gonna not drive the project into the ground, but drive me into the ground. Like it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been pretty catastrophic in the past. Mm -hmm. So a tendency to when we have something negative happen Mm -hmm. is in the, in future tense, we can focus on that. hundred percent. So when you're focusing on, you know, something catastrophic could happen, Mm -hmm. we attract catastrophic things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) some level some degree of course yeah I totally believe that so what do you need to do to to change that mindset what is the shift that you are going to make what is the narrative that you need to change Mm, that I've learned enough to know that the people I'm bringing on board are people that instinctively I know are correct for the project Mm -hmm. before there was always like a small kind of voice that turned into like a ringing alarm that was like don't do it don't do it and I would definitely suppress that out of the desire to collaborate with someone 
because mm-hmm. I really love collaborating with other artists. I think it's such a great way to grow, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, I think, um, yeah, just being a bit more quiet and listening to that intuition that I think we were all given. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just being a bit more confident in that small voice, just cause it's like small and quiet doesn't mean it's something to dismiss. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me help you with that one. Mm-hmm. And, and just using the words that you said, um, I am able to hear mm-hmm. and listen for the intuition I need mm-hmm. to collaborate with people who will be perfect for my project. Yeah. So using that narrative versus the other mm-hmm. becomes, you know, I, I have the ability to hear for myself. I have, I value myself and know when things are off, off <laughs> and when things are, and I attract the people who are going to be for my interest and for me to edify theirs as well. Yeah. And start to that becoming the narrative and actually say that. Okay. Write it out. Yeah. Um, it becomes like a mantra or a declaration um, in, in any way that you can either say it or think it. And so when you feel a pull or a tug towards what you had before, mm-hmm. you can make incremental shifts. Yeah. You can, you can say, you know, like shift your way until you've pivoted enough to get to that space where you're like, okay, I fully believe this. And so the wording can change as your, your own mindset is shifting. Okay. And as you shift your mindset, it's going to become clearer. It's going to become more definitive and strong. Yeah. So you'll notice as you do it, that the narrative actually does shift even more so. And as you are shifting it and your belief is shifting it, you're actually attracting those people mm-hmm. back to you. Yeah. That's great. And you will also start to value yourself to a degree where it's like, you'll know. And, and it's interesting because as I'm saying this, mm-hmm. it be the reverse also, right? Mm-hmm. People will call you in. Mm. So you will also attract gigs, Mm -hmm. opportunities, roles with people who are of similar mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how beautiful is that? Yeah. An exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So you're positioning yourself for your own collaborations to like, I want to call in these people to, to like, you know, exchange this power dynamic in such a beautiful and smooth way. Something that just makes you know music just really beautiful. But it also then sets you up for when someone else has a project or, a, you know, um, wants to share the power mm-hmm. dynamic in their situation or their role or their whatever to be like, oh, Brooke is that girl. Oh, uh, that's great, Andrea. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Do, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? 100%, yeah. So you then are also being pulled in by people who are willing and lovingly distributing that same beautiful value. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Thank you. I was, I, I thought it was such an abstract concept to come in with, but that's totally. <laughs> we got there quickly. It's got legs. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think it's beautiful because, you know, when you think about the multidisciplinary space you're in mm-hmm. and the roles you are wanting or possibly, you know, not even just roles, but like the people you're going to work with and the creativity and the the space of creativity that will be there for you to actually just grow in your craft and your artistry, whether it's music, whether it's acting, whether it's screenwriting, Mm -hmm. all of those spaces will become so creative and collaborative because you are actually being drawn into where it's already happening. Yeah. And in your own personal um, creativity, yeah, those people will be drawn, and you'll, it, you know, I would say this. It'd be interesting to see how this happens, but you will probably attract such high caliber people that other people will be like, "How is that person collaborating on her project?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's because of that person's um, like-mindedness. Yeah. So that seems really, really cool to me. So will you keep me posted on how that works? Oh, for sure. as you're in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of wild. The last time I did start exercising that within a week or two, Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff started popping up. So it's just about staying in that mentality. I think I can dip in and out pretty frequently, but you know what? No, I can't. I'm in it all the time. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Quick learner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at that. I didn't even have to correct Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> um, Brooke, thank you so much for not only just sharing your story and like there's so many more layers we could have like uncovered and unpacked with, with your, what's going on in your life mm-hmm. and what's also happening, but you're, you're just your vulnerability and ability to like open up and go like, this is my life and this is what I'm, I'm journeying and take what you need. Of course. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, always a pleasure. Helps me learn more about myself too. Right. So, yeah. So thank you. And thank you for being a guest. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's really conversations like this one that fuel me. I have to say. And as Brooke and I were talking, I felt this strong pull within me, an attraction to like-minded individuals. You know, as I grow and I learn, um, both personally and professionally, I have found that I have just such a desire to really collaborate and connect with people who are really like-minded. And I wanna encourage you to do the very same thing because that's what it's really all about. It does us no favors to hustle and work ourselves to the bone, trying to gain notoriety or fame or approval or whatever really we're looking for. Instead, when we're working from the sweet spot and we truly understand our worth, our value as people, as artists, as creatives, that is when we will attract like-minded individuals into our lives. It's happened to me personally, and I know it can happen for you too. But what it comes down to is just being in alignment with your purpose and realizing what you have to offer the world is important and needed. If you've been wondering how you can start to bring your purpose into alignment, 
what steps you need to take to move forward. And if you feel a little bit stalled and stuck in some areas, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. Let's set up a 30 minute strategy session. It's free. And we'll kind of uncover those blocks that have been keeping you from moving forward, from moving in that direction and really getting into alignment with what you feel compelled and called to do. So just to do that, all you have to do is go to my website, andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule and book an appointment with me. It's really easy. I'd love to work with you and chat with you about how you can start moving forward. So again, that's andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule. Now I want to thank Brooke and give her a huge big shout out for being such an incredible guest and opening up her life and her gifts and her talents to us. You are going to hear an amazing song just in a few minutes. So make sure you stay tuned all the way till the end of the episode. And she is a gift to this world. All of her information, how you can reach out to her and listen to her music will be available in the show notes. So make sure you grab them at thecouragecast.com. And until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly. Lying on the kitchen floor